Hey, universe. Oh, hold on. Hey, universe. Uh, what are we up to? Well, the dog's up to drinking out of the toilet. The cat's up to trying to find a warm spot in a cold house. And I'm sitting one article of clothing away from getting into the shower. And no, that's not my headband. So, what we're up to is the huge. The morning huge. No, it's not an eclair and a smart water. It's, well, it's wake and bake and uh, thinking about life. And I was thinking about our musical fingerprints. I mean, fingerprints are obviously one way of identifying which human is which. But the more they collect data on us, I'll bet the more fingerprints they're finding we all have. And music has got to be one of the most dependable of the identifiers of who's who down here on planet Earth. And, I mean, we all love music. And yet, we all love music uniquely. None of us have exactly the same musical taste. And when you think about how much media comes our way that's grounded in music. Well, what I was really considering was the world before mass communication and distribution of music. Every town must still have had its little three-man band or four-woman quartet or whatever that people must have demanded play pretty much all the time. Because once music enters your life, when does it leave? People at work, probably the number one uh, rule broken is no earbuds. I break it myself. I break it to listen to my podcast, of course, because, you know, I'm full of myself. But I break it not as often as everyone else. But I break it on days when the day is fucking awful for whatever reason. And I just need my own music to get me through the day. It's amazing how much easier it is to work with my earbud in my ear. I'll say that. And so I get why the 20-somethings who are still somewhat identifying themselves through the music they like, their, uh, their connection to their earbud is almost as strong as to their, their phones. But... If you lived in the 1700s, I mean, I guess part of the reason you would go to the big city is to hear the big music, the symphony, the orchestra, the not your next door neighbor, your across the street neighbor, and that other guy from the other town playing the accordion, the wooden sticks, and the, the rabbit drum, but music, it's fundamental. And we all enjoy it differently. And yet, there's a lot of overlap. It's almost impossible to find somebody who doesn't have at least something musically in common with you. In many ways, I feel like music is the, is the type of medium in which your human expression can fully reveal itself. And that's why, if you get right down to it and grill us all the way to the extent of our musical tastes, you'll find us all to be uniquely different. Because we are all uniquely different. Yet we all recognize that a life with music has meaning because the music brings the meaning. <laughs> ah. Am I awake and baked enough? I'm awake enough. I agree with that. Point one. Am I awake? Yes. Oh, you know what? I haven't run down. Hey, since... The, uh, so here's the plan. The reason I'm thinking about earbuds is because I have about seven episodes I need to listen to and review. So this is an introduction to what will otherwise be an arduous process, especially for anyone who's already heard the arduous episodes that are seasons one and two. But <clears throat> my own shortcomings aside, uh, if I find listening to myself to be a challenge, then obviously I don't expect anybody else to ever, ever do it. As a matter of fact, I may even start pulling some 
of the material that uh, that's of no value. I don't want people to run into something and and listen to it and go, well, what was that for? Uh, that that I will not accept out of myself. So if I find myself uh, thinking that too often of these early episodes, well, I'll start going through with the critical acts and chopping where necessary. But because year-over-year growth, to me, is something I've never really been able to assess with accuracy, having the opportunity to do so requires me to at least continue checking in through season one, through January. I won't be doing this frequently past that. But at work today, I intend to listen to roughly five to seven episodes and then bombard you with all that material and what I think of it. So this is the kind of thing like, let's call this episode probably what you would do as midterm uh, prep with the class TA or something. They're offering some Wednesday night at seven, two hour crush the midterm uh, power study uh, opportunity for anybody in the class that wants to just brush up before the big test. Well, I feel like if that's where you feel like you're at, like you want that kind of immersion in the material, this episode might be worth your time. Actually, it won't be worth your time no matter what, because your time's always more valuable than listening to this. But having now told you 13 different ways you can back out of any further engagement, if you go forward, expect a whole lot of review. But there was one other thing I was going to talk about before I got to the review, Phoebe. What was it? Yeah, I forgot to. Um, it'll come up in the review, I'm sure. The musical fingerprint thing, though, it it's another of the Spotify slash uh, <clears throat> whatever other music aggregators are out there determining what it is that you like. What if they're looking for somebody? I mean, what if they already know the fingerprint that's out there that needs to be found? Sometimes I wonder what all the identification is for. Is it so that we can all be tracked going forward? Or is there somebody in the pile that they're trying to find? Hmm? Yeah, I know. I'm high, though. So I get to think thoughts like this. Then I get to hit pause. Then I get to come back, lay down an entire review of myself, talking to myself. And then I get to pretend somebody else is listening. Like you. Pause. <clears throat> hey, universe. I'll tell you what. Let's... Whoa! Let's not cover up the microphone. Let's put you where you belong. I've already done the pregame checklist for everything else. But this... Oh, that was terrible. I almost dropped the phone, but I didn't. So I'm recovering in awkward real time to put it right under all the concentrate. Okay. Well, I won't be grabbing any of my vapes anytime soon because then the phone will drop. But I think we can do this one without the vaporizer. I mean, I do have all the concentrates and the dabs. And I mean, if it comes down to it and I drop the phone, I'm apologizing ahead of time. I just think it's better that I get that out there because let's face it. I'm klutzy. Oh, see, I just hit the headboard with my dab tool, and that was unintentional. So I just never know when I'm going to knock around the universe a little bit more than uh, the universe deserves. And <clears throat> how about this? Oh, and I haven't listened to any of those episodes, so don't expect it. There are 13 of them that need to be listened to. Yeah, that's how I felt about it, too. So that's why I still haven't done that yet. But I'm going to, I promise. And in doing so, um, I'm going to get through some sticky episodes uh, that I feel revisiting has purpose. So I actually want to do the job correctly, which is another reason I didn't just listen to all that shit at work today um, and take notes haphazardly while I could and then sort of blow through the assignment I've given myself here, um, which is what I would traditionally do. Um, but I'm trying to be more um, proud of my work, I guess. Pause. Bonus. I leave myself a cliffhanger like, I want to be more proud of my work when I go review uh, five of the worst recordings I made so far. And maybe that's fitting. Maybe that's how I have to wind some uh, integrity back into the initial process by revisiting it and clarifying the um, the lack of launch that most of these suffer from however 
stopping myself from starting because I knew my voice hadn't developed to a polished level and never will, to be clear, um, was easy. It was a 25-year process, really, of always being willing to accept that I wasn't ready. And I sound not ready. I sound um, distracted, off track, without uh, the ability to complete one thought in one sentence at times, if not frequently. There's a whole lot to criticize. So what I'm not going to do is criticize myself. I'm going to try to... (coughs) Wow. I'm going to try to make uh, uh, something positive out of what was maybe mm, at best obtuse and probably at worst incoherent or uh, um, perhaps even illogical and unsupportable. Who knows? Uh, I don't know that my thoughts have been uh, really well organized even now at the meta level. So if I'm going to dissect some of my meta trends, they're going to look sloppy and incoherent. And, uh, yeah. How's that feel, Phoebe? (laughs) About like how you look. Um, so before we get into all that, Obviously, I'm about seven bong hits short, so let's get that taken care of. Then we're going to go through the rules. Then we're going to go through some apologies. That should take about four to five minutes total. And uh, then we're going to start in on episode 13, the episode appropriately titled, uh, Do You Not Heed Any of My Warnings? Pause. Unpause. Did I mention it's one? Oh, sorry. It's only 1258. Oh, 1259. It's 12.59. And the entire town is fine, so go drink your wine, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow around, what, nine? Do you see why I need weed? Alright, naming them off in order. That first one that I just finished, well that was Citral Flow. Uh, The next one will be Amnesia Haze, followed by Goji OG, spelled G-O-J-I, O-G, next word, O-G. Uh, that's for people over 45. Everybody else knew how to spell it when I said it. Uh, (coughs) so off I go. I'll be back. All right. All right. All right. The, um, the Goji OG Amnesia Hayes Dabba Dabba have joined the Citra Flow in the Ardihada. Now we're moving on to Ghost Rain Hayes and, uh, Sarah Diesel. Back in a minute. Look at that, I'm back already. But now I'm pausing again. Okay. Alright, now. I make a point earlier in the recording string about musical fingerprints. And really, that should never have been such a... uh, uh, a, An incidental, uh, off-the-cuff remark about what I truly think is is worth hmm uh is worth maybe the infinite cosmic expanse we've all experienced and that is the variance in musical taste what it is that we find ultimately the most appealing when it comes to our choices in music and i know regionally music affects us so there's there's a whole lot of subjectivity and even the concept of what your musical fingerprint is. I recognize that. And my exposure to what must represent 0.3% of musical possibility across an, another 99.9% of music unheard by me leaves me <laughs> shrinking in the face of even believing my musical fingerprint fingerprint is valid but whatever you're tracking that i listen to on my smartphone is data that's certainly valid and a data set that is comparable 
to the entire world's similar data set. And again, much like the matrix, I get it. The way in which we are moved by music. What's a, what's a hallucinatory journey without music? I tried about 75 minutes of silence in the last round of mushrooms, and I'll tell you, it's its own experience, but it is a ticking time bomb as to when you'll be able to get back to hear, having sound and musical uh, influence in your hallucinations. Listening to the creak of the floor, the crack of a branch, the uh, the motors from distances that uh, normally wouldn't even register. There's just, in a silent environment, what noise does reach you, especially in the early morning hours like these, on mushrooms, is more uh, invasive or... Uh, disruptive, whereas music is consuming and uh, <laughs> the point of the whole journey, really. So, <clears throat> I have some level of belief that sound and music and harmony are the fundamental, original expansions of space-time. It started with sound. And that's just some level of uh, dream insanity seeping into my reality. But wherever <clears throat> we find organized, clumping human beings, we find them playing songs. It's in all of our history. All the way back. So, to have brought out the musical fingerprint concept and all the other associated thoughts I have in that well of consideration. Well, I'm a little premature. Ah, that's what my dog said. Um, and so, rather than getting even less interesting, I'm going to say, I'll get back to that one. Likely was somebody who I consider to be a lot more musically aware than myself. Who that is, I have no idea. Actually, I know exactly who it should be. But <laughs> that person... Nope. We ain't gonna get a hold of them. But uh, should we ever... Uh, should we ever need to find somebody who wants to talk the influence of music on humanity themselves and the general purpose of life and... Earth 8675309 variety. Well, all you have to do is ask three people because if the first two won't do it, the third one will. And the first two will probably regret not saying yes once the third one says yes. So it's just a commonality among us. So you make that a four-person panel. That turns out to be a disaster because everyone's talking over everybody and I'm the worst of all. So you can see that I'm only going to consult some people and then come back and talk. But at the same time, this has a lot of meat on the bone. So I'll bet I get way more depth and richness in the conversation if I have the conversation with a lot more people before I have the conversation with myself. That'll make sense to me, so what other things do I need to explain to you? Zippo. Except, I feel like I owe you this. <clears throat> because you're silly enough to listen this far means you might even listen further. Which I recommend you don't. I recommend you go find something purposeful in life, even if that's mixing two different sparkling water beverages to see what flavor you get. That's better than this. But if you don't have any sparkling water beverage to mix, and frankly you're in a coma and can't reach your phone because you have no motor control beyond your lips, what if you don't even have your lips? Well, then you don't want to be drinking sparkling water beverage. It will just spill all over you. But the three or four of you, if the entire world is listening to me, that would be in that condition, well, since only myself and roughly four other people are listening... I'm going to say the odds of you being listening in this pool of nonsense is zero. 
So everybody else, go find something better to do. You could bake cookies. That is definitely a better thing you could be doing. You could go clean your bathtub. That is a better thing you could be doing. You could go clean your kitchen trash can. Pull that liner and get a sponge that you know you were going to throw away when you're done with it. Get some Comet or whatever and clean the shit out of your trash can in your kitchen. You know how good you'll feel when you're done with that? Okay, or you can listen to this. And if you're going to listen to this, here's what you're going to listen to. You're going to listen to me make mistakes. Like call the song Coming Home or Major Tom as everybody in the world knows it. I call that song Close to Home trying to be respectful of the fact that it did have an original title, I completely butchered the original title. So I'm capable of making just awful mistakes. Terrible ones. Confidently. As if, yeah, of course that's right. When it's wrong. Now, I go back and hear that shit and I try to fix it, but I know I miss a bunch of it because I still confidently think I said something right and I'm wrong. So that brings us to a corollary rule. Now we'll just get to the rules later. So I apologize to you, Peter Schilling. Wait, is that even the guy that does Major Tom? See? See what I mean? And I'm not going to sit here with my phone and Google shit while I, No. Nor am I going to prep. So, get used to some mistakes. Get used to me trying to correct them, but get used to me making them and missing some of them and just living with it. Kind of like life. So, I also uh, re- highly recommend you speed your player back machine up to at least... 1.8 to 2.0 at a minimum. You can get to 2.25 and even 2.5 and still clearly understand what I'm saying. I speak slow and deliberately, pausing often, waiting for words to come to me, thinking things through. And I do this because what I put on record is me for good. I'm not going to not stand by my word tomorrow, what I said today, because all of a sudden I hear myself say something that I'm aghast by? No. If I actually hear that, then I explain what I think I'm aghast by and what dilemma this brings up and how I should proceed. Because I'm evolving as an intellectual creature at all times. I meet somebody new, they say something to me I've never heard before, and bam, now I've got something to reconsider across perhaps my entire paradigm of thought. Or maybe just whether or not I think Spider-Man could actually beat the Incredible Hulk in a fight. It, it doesn't matter what I'm reconsidering. But to think that I've got everything figured out at any point in time about anything is ludicrous. And I know that. So I don't sit and and wonder what's happening to my world when I have to reconsider even basic fundamental thought patterns that I've had my entire life. So does that make me susceptible to uh, thought injection and uh, a weak-minded thinker overall? Perhaps. I agree that my fluidity of consideration of what's the truth, what's reality, and what's in between all that has gotten murky, if not unknowable, and caused me a lot of pain, honestly, uh, in ways that I certainly didn't expect my life to end up traversing. One of the strong points I've always felt I was lucky enough to arrive on planet Earth with, was a mind of solution-oriented, analytical reasoning and intellectual capability. In other words, I liked my problem-solving skills and my information-gathering resources about this universe. Not to mention my access to what looked like an entire wealth of previous thinkers, deeds, and accomplishments to study. I was ready to be a student for my entire life. But the chances I got as a student to devour as much as I could in as much width and depth as I could reach was never something I wasn't ready for. I am ready for it right now. I am always curious to know more. So when I get things wrong... I ask for your kindness, understanding, and forgiveness that after speaking 150 hours of nonsense to myself, I've said some things incorrectly. I don't even know how many. I don't even want to know. 
but all of them that I hear even now as I re-listen to something from a year ago, I correct and come straight with if there are uncertainties or, frankly, uh, flat-out uh, misattributions or, or incorrect statements of whatever variety, including about myself. Because this whole journey of self-revelation and what? Hmm. Uh, huh. Is this a confession to to what? To my humanities? Uh, growth and and final uh, ascension into the person that I need to be in this universe today as I am now composed well confessing to all that sounds very grandiose for a guy who works at Home Depot part time and rides his bike back and forth and gets home just in time to feed his dog before the cat attacks there's not much going on in my life that's grandiose it's about as simple as it gets so when I speak conceptually I try to address the greater sense of what human experience presents. And I don't talk about the Kardashians. I do talk about Gilligan's Island, not often, but once in a while. And I don't talk about uh, things that I find us pointed toward as uh, combative politics, for instance, um, because I know that we're set up to chase down our enemies and team up with our allies in those arenas. And I'm not here for any of that. I don't believe in any of that. I don't believe we're on A's and B's. I believe we are all team humanity and all unique. We're all prime numbers. None of us are identical to anyone else and none of us thinks identically to anyone else. So there's a lot to talk about. And for me, there's a lot to talk about just in regular life. I don't need to get too philosophical, but often I do get philosophical about stuff that's interesting to me or just about stuff that has been in my wheelhouse of, of question mark content and never even seen solution material to the, to the slightest. Why are we so bent on war? Anybody? I didn't think so. Anyway, so, what does that all mean? Well, it means, obviously, this is all about me. And why you're listening, I still don't understand. I've already said that you should have left. So, if you have, good for you. And if you're still here, what? And if you're going to listen further on, then your fault. And I say this because I'm not doing anything special here. I'm writing a bunch of notes about some stuff I said a year ago. That could be uh, a value to me, maybe a little bit, but to anybody else, how? So then why am I even doing this? Because it's a value to me. Why am I leaving it in the public sphere where it might become value or might become a value to someone else? Because I didn't have any resources in my lifetime that spoke with kindness and honesty about uh, how many missteps are available to be had and what happens when you take them. And I used to be protective of my mistakes because I wanted a veneer of excellence. I now don't give a fuck what you think of me at all. And in fact, I'm so committed to being exposed that there is nothing I don't think in the first year I, I wouldn't talk about. I think I told you what my bank account is. I think I told you my address, my phone number. I know I gave you um, my history in all of my arrests, all of my, all of my, uh, God, what else? All of my misdeeds with, well, not all my misdeeds with women, but my top ones. Um, basically, I tried to tell you everything that is, in my opinion, what you should judge me poorly for. And you should. I, I, <laughs> I'm not here to tell you that uh, some of my actions in the past aren't deplorable. They are. 
And, and I am not here to tell you that I am not expecting the same from you. And deplorable might be too far. I don't think everyone's sitting out there swimming in the deplorable end like I am, but I know we're all swimming in some ends that got us over our heads in situations we, we regret to this day and in places we acted poorly because of whatever. And I know we also hold those moments against ourselves. If in no other way than saying, oh, how could I have let myself be so dumb? How many of those do you have in your life? And what, how can I have let myself be so dumb is really saying is I hate that part of myself. That day, I don't want to remember or think about because I didn't like myself. And in fact, I hate myself that day. What a piece of shit I was. What a, what a, uh, uh, a wimp. What a, what a, do what I'm told. What a, can't stand up for myself. What a, lay down to authority again. Who knows what weakness overcame a situation where, in reflection, you think, I hate myself for that. Well, I mean, whoo, yeah. Holding those against yourself is easy. In fact, letting go of those is, is work. And for some, like me, it's a lot of work because I get a lot of them. Or I have the ones in my head that even now I will never forgive myself for. Because... It gives me boundaries to reflect on my capacity to be not myself. When I'm kind, understanding, and forgiving, the moments of regret I, I have about my actions are zero. When I find myself acting otherwise, I can now easily figure out the influence or motivation or self <laughs> ego injection that puts me in a place that I act untoward or uncharacteristic of who I really am. I then can work through how to be different in the occasion should it arise again. And if given the challenge one more time, often find myself succeeding, occasionally find myself failing and reassess and move forward again. The places where I often fail, have to reassess and move forward again are places like family Occasionally work uh, static, um, personal motivation static. I have a hard time getting myself out of the inertial spot of stuck into the inertial spot of trying something new. So these are ways that I know I need to rally myself from within and be my own cheerleader of it's okay to fall on my face. Because for the longest time, I didn't start things like this because falling on my face inevitable though it was, was too much embarrassment to endure to actually put myself into new experiences and become a bigger, better person in life. Well, those things I promise to have at least identified enough to know I'm trying to get away from them. They are habits, they are patterns, they are cycles of energy that I have enabled and curated through my life. So to say I will rid myself of them because I've identified them is the dumbest thing I've said so far. And all of you are saying, well, you said that other dumb shit stuff, so maybe not. So fair, I'm always willing to accept that I'm wrong. And I love listening to counter opinion because it makes me reconsider how much of the opinion I'm currently holding am I faithfully holding or am I just constructing to pull together some band-aids and some ideas that might not even connect. We don't all think about everything all the way through to the end all the time. So we're all prone to having some sloppy thoughts, some sloppy connections and some sloppy uh, beliefs, understandings and knowledge that we really believe, understand and know, even though we're wrong. So when I find these things, they don't disappoint me. They are moments of, of, of true gratitude. I have thanked people who have corrected me on things that I've been doing wrong my whole life in ways that shock them. 
because I have now stopped one thing that I didn't know I was doing that left my life less fulfilled. And someone finally points it out to me so I can move forward without that encumbrance. It, it's like the universe starts to drop other things for you. Whatever's holding you up the longest, if it gets unsnagged, releases six other things simultaneously while you're going. I swear it works this way. I don't, I don't know why. I've quit asking why. Because why is unknowable. But how or to what extent and in what conditions? We're all here to, to give that information back to the source. I believe that's why we've separated from whatever we've come from to have this experience. Because through our unique take on everything, from music to skyscapes to what it feels like to swim in an ocean. It's all slightly different, yet uniquely connected. So to me, the value of this exercise isn't telling you that I was once sitting at a table in New York City with three other people, one of whom was Uma Thurman. I swear that's true. And oh my God, yeah, it's true. But it's not like I even really talked to her. Uh, but yeah, I was at a club called, I think, The Ritz. Yeah, in New York City, singing a band called The Pogues. And the year was 1989 or 8. I'm not quite sure on the year this, at this time. But that's the only time I've ever had a notable person sitting at my table. And do you know what I did that night? I didn't say a fucking word to her. So that's just the dangling carrot of, I could tell you that story. But it would be a story of feeling like all these other people are trying to sit at my table, but there's a barricade rope so they can't get through. So that's good. And that's about it. <laughs> because I don't really have a whole lot of real texture from that night other than there were a whole lot of people that wanted to talk to that woman. And so <sighs> is it my best story because Uma Thurman's in it? No, it's not even close. As a matter of fact, I have four better stories from today when I just worked at Home Depot and did some other stuff like um, washed some dishes in my bathtub. But I bet you I can give you four better stories from today than I can about that Uma Thurman night. So I'm not here to try to have seminal moments that are recognized by others as some sort of observational value statement. I'm here to try to explain that my value statement is my entire life. It's what I've done. It's who I am. It's what I've been. It's what I wish I had done, but didn't. And it's everything that I'm going to do next. And fortunately, having organized enough of all of that, I actually feel purposeful in where I'm headed for the first time in my life here at 53. And so if you got this far for whatever reason, you have hope that your life will just fall into place because mine did. And in many ways for no reason, but it did. And I'm not going to miss this opportunity. So that is the longest winded answer to, so why did you apply for the job that I've ever given? So let's get out of the way. The next question, tell us some things that might be limitations for you in the position. Well, number one, which I believe is kind of where this all started with your first question, is that it's all me and just me. And a lot of that is me talking to me as if I'm two peas in a pod talking to each other, but it's just me. And sometimes there is a second pea in the pod. That second P will always be easy to identify because they have a different voice. And there will be more other P's coming into the pod, not with some sort of connotation of multiple P's in the same pod. I'm just saying, if I don't have conversations with other people, what am I doing? I'm talking to myself and you're listening. Think about that. So that would be my first limitation. It's all me. But because it's all me, where it goes, I'm free to express. 
There's no limitation. There's nobody telling me what to talk about. Hell, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. I just hit record. Here I go. And with that much texture, I can do whatever I want, including be entirely disgusting, gross, physically inappropriate with my words, misuse my words. Nobody's jumping in to correct me and tell me, uh, I think you meant the Red Sox, not the White Sox. It was the Red Sox. So I'll make mistakes. I'll say shit that I'm sure is right. Then I'll say it again the next episode because I said it the last episode. Then I'll listen back in four months and go, wait, why did I say that the, the White Sox didn't win the World Series? The Red Sox did. Ah, fuck Boston. But when it comes to things like saying fuck Boston, I'm doing that for a reason, but I don't have to explain myself. So, again, my interjections are also just to remind myself that when I listen back, what my mental state was at that time. So again, it's all about me. That's a limitation and I'm gross physically and um, basically with all my thoughts. And so what does that do? It turns me into a swear monster. I swear a lot. Sometimes I whisper, so I'm also inaudible. There's a lot here to endure if you're going to. Um, Again, I ask you why. I just, I don't think it's worth your time. Number four, I will speak about anything. And I mean anything. I'm not going to get into what I will explain, but I will explain some shit that you don't want to hear about. And you'll be the only one listening other than me talking and the dog snoring. So, again, have you ever seen Gilgan's Island? I know it's simple. I know it's not a show for everyone. But if it's for you, it's better than this podcast. But if you're going to listen, number five... Well, we should both be doing drugs. At least you should be. And I always will be. So if you do, then, oh, then we're both on team drugs. As a matter of fact, what are we going to do right now? Let's hit the vape because that's got uh, some nice train wreck in it. And then I'm going to have some Durban poison dabs to go with my, uh, no, uh, pineapple express. So while I'm doing that. Um, should I talk about drugs? Well, I will at some point, so don't worry. Pause. And time. Okay. So this is the third one, the Pineapple Express, uh, or the Durban Poison. Can't tell you for sure which. No, it's one of those two. Um, here we go. That is. Titanium on titanium, and yeah, it's nails on a chalkboard, so I usually don't subject you to it, though I do occasionally force that upon you. So, sorry, (coughs) I had a time. (coughs) However, I don't think that the use of marijuana, which is really the only thing I use um, regularly, though I do use mushrooms more regularly than I have ever since college, and throw some acid in there and I mean, I might as well be a junior in college again. But, oh, and I, can't, I suppose technically, well, uh, it's never been lab tested, so I have no idea. But that, the speaking I do of my past drug use is to be as direct and forthright with what those drugs were helping support, which were usually my poor uh, senses of myself, uh, against a world filled with messages that you're worse than you think. And the idea that I was uh, incapable of spiraling upward uh, into something stable enough to say no. I kept uh, finding myself uh, weak enough to say yes. And so I don't want other people's journeys to have to keep bobbing up and down between self-loathing and and, uh, self-discovery to... uh, the extreme that mine did because for most, for the most part, I was always just standardizing myself against what society's uh, expectations of me had, had been and continued to be to send myself back downward. As soon as I stopped caring, I was no longer subjected to the, uh, at least the level of self-loathing that uh, I had been tripped up by. For most of my adult life. And I'm not saying I wasn't the main contributing factor toward 
hitting those bottoms, but they happen for a reason. And the reasons that they happen for, I was completely wrong about most of my life. So that's why I am extremely plain with all of my talk. I don't have a thing to hide. What I have is a whole bunch of hurdles that I didn't just stumble over. I flat ran into and I set them up. So <laughs> the idea that I couldn't get through the race without just continually knocking myself in my own goddamn genitalia is frustrating and it was unnecessary. So why am I going to explain it? Because it's not embarrassing. It's not anything less than exactly what defines me as who I am. Just like it does you. Every mistake you made is not an embarrassment. It's not a demerit. It's not a mark against. It's the composition of you. You didn't come to planet Earth not to be challenged. Not to fuck up. Not to recover. It's exactly why you're here. So, in recovery, here's my confession statement. Thanks for being my intake officer. Enjoy. <laughs> And that's only rule number five, and I got five more. Let's get through these other so quick you'll forget what I said, just like you have most of what I've already said. Because this is not prescriptive. I'm not telling you what to do with your life. I never want to. I don't even want to tell you anything about what you should be doing, except figure it out. Listen to what's inside you, and be as true to yourself as you can possibly figure out how to be. That I will prescribe. Because I believe that is what set me free from the entanglements against myself that I was continually forcing into my life. So, describing how I did that is my purging of the idea that I will go there again. Because while I feel changed and truly evolved, as a human spirit even, I couldn't feel more different and uniquely placed to move forward as myself in this universe for a destiny I can realize. The person I used to be couldn't, wouldn't believe that this is true, number one, because they couldn't conceive that those were potential outcomes available to be had, number two, through their nihilistic and anarchistic positioning that was settled on <clears throat> through a belief that they were unworthy of anything better. And that is by far the nicest way I can put it for myself. Because for the most part, I've given up on myself. And I think a lot of people have. A lot of people out there that I run into, I know have given up on themselves. And you can, <laughs> you can feel yourself pulling the days along as if you're riding shotgun in a car that you know you can't unlock the door or get out of. So enduring what's next is about all you got left. Well, my life had shrunk to that level. And I guess if yours has, then maybe this is prescriptive. But you shouldn't listen to this without anything in your heart telling you that what you do next is right because it's what you do next for yourself. And I'm not saying be selfish. I'm just saying be true to yourself. I'll explain exactly the differences between that enough that if you don't get it now, you'll get it soon enough. And that's why there's one more thing to be said. No, rule number seven is important. This is my self-analysis and journey. It is not yours. It is not anybody else's. It's not the composite of Jesus and Toth and some other ancient gods that are supposedly all different people. If we're going to be fair, then the only thing I have any expertise on is what I've done and experienced as myself. And so all the analysis, all the anecdotes, all of the circumstances, all of the reactions, all of the actions, all of the missteps, all of the emotions, they're mine. And I do believe 
we have an enormous overlap of commonality between us in circumstances and in, uh, in theory that create connection through narrative storytelling. And I'm not exceptional at teaching lessons. I don't even want to. I'm not here to do anything of the kind. But I am here to analyze how the evolution of me has put me to a place where I love myself out of a mess of self-loathing. I still am figuring that out. But those circumstances are strictly my own. Whether that story has some echo of reflective energy that allows you to rethink something and consider your own life in a way that allows you to love yourself a little bit more, good for you. But loving yourself comes down to being true to yourself. And I bet you didn't arrive on planet Earth with a mission to listen to podcast a diatribe in an attempt to circuitously route yourself into a self-evolving ascension into your position in the galaxy. And if you did, I'm sure the podcast would be Joe Rogan. So, again, <clears throat> this is about me. And once in a while about Joe Rogan, apparently. All right, eight. Uh, good time for this one. <laughs> uh, I don't have a lot of respect for intellectual property. I would never charge for anything, ever. I, don't, I give my stuff away. I mean, it's just, I don't, I feel like, I, first of all, I don't like money. And second of all, uh, I feel like once once something has been contributed to the human experience, well, there it is. It's already there. We've got it. Somebody came up with that and then passed it along. Pay it forward until we've paid it forward till we're excellent. And until then, well, everything is a spontaneous catalyst to the next great thing. Or possibly it is. So why close anything off? Why is anything protected from the knowledge base of the human experience? Why does intellectual property even exist? These are the questions that I don't have answers for that I like. Because, again, I think our value is collective and not individual. So the more the individual can achieve, the more co the collective can produce individuals that will achieve. I get that the individual has to do the work. I'm not opposed to anything like that. I just believe there is a cooperative, electric connection to all knowledge. That the more we uncover, the more we have the potential to uncover. So that which gets uncovered and protected, to me, makes no sense. So I don't believe in intellectual property. I believe in intellectual achievement, intellectual pursuit, intellectual attribution, intellectual engagement, intellectual masturbation, intellectual... Misinformation that gets corrected. But I don't believe in walling off intellectual achievement as property. That's just me, though. I might be one on an island of 7.7 .7 billion, but whatever. <laughs> it's me. So, then, what do I care if somebody takes some of my ideas and makes millions of dollars with them? Will I sue them? <laughs> yeah, of course I will. Fuck no. I mean, if you're stupid enough to think you can make money with my idea and then you pull it off, I'll be so goddamn doubly impressed. I will seriously dedicate an entire podcast to why I think you're my hero. No, I'm not going to sue you. Achieve. Do something with your life that means something to you. If that's taking material that somehow inspired you through me, do you know what I will feel? Unbelievable gratitude from you. That's like the greatest thing somebody could possibly do is think something you said was great enough to take off in a direction to do something with themselves. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker! So, where do I take all this? Wherever it goes. Hang on, pause. Oh, maybe I don't have to. Yeah, I do. Wait, do I? Yeah, I do. Do I? Yeah. Yeah, I should. It was good I did. So, yeah, I don't, you know, if, if if I want anything, I want solutions. And that's that. Well, even that, even if you solve a problem, like what's a problem that could be solved? A lot of them. If you solve a problem, I'm not saying you don't deserve some sort of level of civilized, social structure, dedicated gratitude. And yet, 
ah, what does that mean? I mean, what is a fulfilling life? Do you want people to just tell you you did such a great job on that thing 20 years ago? We still think you're awesome. Does that make your life fulfilling? Does having a bigger house than you can care for yourself, forcing you to employ a staff of people from Nicaragua, is that fulfilling? Is going to the golf course on every Saturday because you can't stand your wife anymore fulfilling? Well, I mean, if you fucking hit a hole in one, it will be. I'll tell you that. But if, if, if we're being honest, the concept of what fulfills me is sparking other people. And I don't get to do it very often. I'm not some dynamic master of sharing the intellectual material that turns you into the next Stephen King. I mean, for fuck's sake, all we're really trying to do is walk into situations with other people and walk away and win wins. And whatever way I can offer you a win, I want to hear. And if that means there's a win to be had through something that I didn't leverage or something that was an off-the-cuff remark or something that I would never, ever think had value, perfect. If it's something that I said, I'm going to do that, but you do it first, good on you. Shit, man. I'm not telling you that the world isn't in a place where there is some chase for achievement. But I don't chase achievement. So, again, these are deep-seated things in me. And I get where people are conflicting on this. I get it. Intellectual property and the right of law and all that shit. I mean, lines on maps matter to people. Other than me. I'll just leave it at that. All right, nine... Well, nine is, I want solutions. What I really work toward is not just to bitch about shit, but to think about, well, how could it be better? Or what could change? Or what other alternatives could we look at that would be systems that aren't the ones that are currently failing us? Why point out that which is wrong if you can't point out that which could be better? And in pointing out what's wrong, you give yourself an opportunity to fix shit. So you do have to look at the world and find the problems. That is investigation that's worth time. But if you're going to do that work, then take the extra step and come back with something that solves it. So, I do that as much as I can. Sometimes I just bitch about shit. Like we all do. Alright, and then... uh, In response to all that, my own... (laughs) Oh, yeah. My own shortcomings aside, which, of course, I just outlined nine, and that's just nine. There are many. If I can continue to be kind, understanding, and forgiving, which I've been maintaining fairly consistently now, then you can expect respect, curiosity, an investigation into the coordination of concepts and ideas, and the way they are overlapping in real time to give us new insights into both what we're up to, how we're going about this journey, and what it all means. The questions that I have always tabled for either their underpinnings in overall nonsense or the idea that they're the sort of unknowable, ethereal, conceptual concepts anyhow. And when I have a conceptual concept, even I can be redundant. So... If you're going to go down this road of thought, you're going to get in some weird spots. And I say some weird shit that I believe that 10 years ago, I would have never given you the rope to say I could have had it in my thought process, let alone in my belief structure. So I've changed dynamically over 10 years in spite of myself, not through any intent of myself, but in ways that I outline regularly enough to describe exactly how those changes have affected me and where they're going. And that's another reason I'm doing this because I have to believe in myself as who I am today because it's the self that I am today that I was when I was 10. It's like from 13 to 50, I turned into 
somebody other than myself. There are even times when I sat watching my actions thinking, who's doing this? Why am I doing this? This isn't even what I want to be doing. And move forward and persist what I, in spite of myself. And that journey of disconnect isn't something I think I'm alone on. So those sort of reconciliation moments that lead to things like uh, contemplation and interpretation of yourself through a loving lens that allows yourself to move forward in a sense of destiny. (laughs) I mean, we're talking shit like Star Wars and Obi-Wan Kenobi shit. I mean, uh, so am I a full-blown lunatic? I leave it for you to decide. It's possible. I wouldn't throw that off the table. Matter of fact, I'm the one that puts it on the table, so it gets discussed a lot. I don't feel like one, but I'm not above saying I am one. It's possible. And with all that, I've said my rules. We are now at... Oh, fuck. We're over an hour. And I haven't even said one thing about the reviews. And it is now two... Nope, it's 1.54 in the morning. I have tomorrow off. It's supposed to snow a foot. And if that doesn't sound like stay inside and push the record button until I can annoy the entire universe with my thoughts... (laughs) 